I do not in the least bit mock or challenge what we just sang. Go ahead and give me a seat. I want us to know, however, that the word deep is a relative term. Deep compared to what? I don't doubt that we think of ourselves in varying degrees of depth. We think of ourselves as deep in love with Jesus. I, I don't doubt that. But what's the point of reference? Compared to the world? Oh my goodness. We're like crazy and vain in love with Jesus. Compared to some other Christians? Yeah, at least in my case, maybe not so much. It's a relative term, and it depends on the point of reference. And here's my strong encouragement and, and admonition to all of us, starting with myself. I, I can't live my life by finding a weaker, casual, typical American Christian and, and make that the reference point because I'm always going to, to look better. The reference has to be not a person in the flesh that we would know. Not your favorite preacher. Not some ancient historical character. Not Charles Spurgeon. Not, not picture guy. The reference has to be Jesus. When he's the standard of, of comparison that, oh, I'm in some serious trouble now. I'm, I'm in some serious trouble. And if you think that's an unfair reference, I'll, I'll give you one more. Maybe the reference should be not anyone, not even Jesus. Maybe the reference should be me at my fullest degree of surrender. So wherever I am right now, how does that compare to my, am I at my absolute fullest degree of surrender? And when I look at my own life and I analyze the way I think and the way I behave and the way I spend my time, which is not my time, but time given to me, and my money, which is really not my money, it's money that's been handed to me, am I using all of that for Christ's sake? Or is it, okay, let's go Jesus alone, but this is my time. This is my money. To be deep in love with Jesus. <coughs> would probably make people say, I got crazy. But one last question before we put it. Would you rather be crazy for Jesus or crazy consumed with this life? Crazy consumed with the world. Crazy consumed with, okay, I have just enough Christianity to make me acceptable, even admirable. But let's not get crazy. We've been around married couples, so you could tell that they were deeply in love with one another. And you've been around married couples that you could tell, well, they're, they're going to a real spot, they're trying to hang on. I, I want to be a Christian in Gloucester Township and wherever I go. Mm -hmm. The people say, that guy's crazy in love with Jesus. <laughs> so let's pray for that. Lord, I'm not given at all to try to be clever. But I, I've just been thinking the last, I don't know, three or four days, I want to be closer to thee than 23. And that can't just be a, an emotional statement, phrase, feeling, without any kind of discipline definition. So starting right now this morning for the next three months, January, February, March, 
God, we're, we're going to look at your word as to how can I get closer to thee in the country of thee. What do I need to do? What, what things need to be dropped? What things need to be added? What, what do I need to do to draw nearer to you? To be deeper in love with you? I remember from my childhood, Lord, an old line from a hymn, prone to wonder. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And God, I do love you. But I catch myself also loving the world. Loving my own pleasure. In moments, turn to hours, turn to days, turn to weeks. I love it more than you. God forgive me. Would you live, would you deliver us from being afraid of being weird? I'm not just trying to be weird for the sake of, of being weird. But to get close to you, closer to you, it's going to make us peculiar to the world. So help us to find a way to be approachable without being compromising. That there's always going to be a distinction about us. And, and may it not be our arrogance or our, our earthly religiosity. Right? The thing that makes us peculiar is your love, your mercy, your kindness, your other-centeredness flowing through us. And people just wouldn't get us. That's, that's a good kind of distinction. That's a good kind of difference. And when they, as Peter said, ask the reason of the hope that's within us, can we give an answer with humility and say, I know. Sometimes I'm surprised at myself. It's just Jesus changing me. And oh, how thrilled I am that he's conforming me to the image of himself. God, might this be the day that we begin this month, this year. We don't just talk about drawing closer. We put in some, some disciplines and we ask other people to hold us accountable to live out these disciplines that as the result we really do get closer to you. God, help us please. Starting right now. This morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. First Timothy chapter 4. First Timothy chapter 4. I want to cover, let me see, what is it? 16 verses. The key verse is in verse 7. I've arranged it because I think it's the natural instance. In fact, probably in the Bible you're reading, whatever Bible you're reading lately, I say lately, the last oh, few years, I've been working out the uh, English Standard Version. <coughs> you may prefer the Old King James or the New King James. That's fine. I'm not going to fight with anyone about that issue. <coughs> For me, this is both on the technical scholarly side a reliable text, faithful to original manuscripts, but it's 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 not an ancient Elizabethan English. But but that, I, I didn't say that to make my case. You read what's comfortable to you. Better you read the translation is comfortable to you than you don't read at all. So I'll take whatever you read. The thin reads, not really Joe Bob's. Translation. First Timothy chapter 4. Just read the first paragraph. The Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits, teachings of demons, through the insincerity of liars, whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage, require abstinence from food, and God created to receive the thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. 
For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving, for it's made holy by the word of God in prayer. An opening statement, and he says, look, number one, see it in verse one, people will depart. I'm not pessimistic, I'm not even hopeful, I am saddened by that reality, but it's not a surprising truth or historical statement in the scriptures. It's as old as Judas and Jesus. It's never stopped. It is, in fact, getting worse. Paul says to Timothy, and we believe that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to say to his emotional son, Timothy, Son, people are going to forsake the gospel. They're going to walk away from church life. They're, they're going to say, now, Timothy, you're crazy, and I, I thought you were making some sense, and I love the music, and we were making a difference in the community, but nah, ain't nothing to this. I'm out. It's going to happen, verse 1. It's expressly said. It intentionally, with vigor, says, some will depart from the faith. And he gives some reasons in the verse 2 because some liars have deceived them. False teachers have come. He even calls them demons. They're not sincere, verse 2, which is to say they have some other motive. I don't know what their motive may be. And now we're, we're guessing to, to attract more people, have bigger offerings. <laughs> Do you think that's not happening in America and around the world right now? Come on. Maybe it's not that at all. Maybe it's that I can boast I have more disciples than you. Maybe it's that. I have no idea. The motor really doesn't matter at this point. Paul said this is going to happen. He's trying to brace his son for reality. This is going to happen. And here's why it's happening. That's critical to us here. The issue of apostasy. Of believing false doctrines. False teachings. False philosophy. Life, verse 3, is an illustration. They forbid marriage and require absence from certain foods. And that's just two illustrations. That's not the only two kind of man-imposed rules we get in, in various denominations and religions. No, 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 you can't, can't do that, can't do that. If you really love God, you wouldn't do that. Well, God didn't say that. Some, well, look at the words you get in verse 1. I'm not making this up. Some deceitful spirit, some demon, someone who had insincere motive. They're liars whose consciences have been calloused, seared over. Start saying stuff like this. And people say, yeah, I, I, that, that would help me get close to Jesus. If I didn't do that, whatever that is. Now, if it's simple, that's a pretty good thought. Stop that. <laughs> but I'm not sure that I'm never going to drink coffee again. I'm going to get closer to Jesus. I don't drink coffee at all because I hate the taste. No matter what I do to it. I'm, and every time I say to the old pastor, man, you've got to drink my coffee. And put to this. <laughs> Within reason, I think I've tried it every imaginable way. And it just, why am I doing this? <laughs> not drinking coffee is not going to make you closer or further away from Jesus. I only, only, you know, on, on Fridays, I only do this. Okay. Maybe that does or does not help your diet, but it has nothing to do with your intimacy with Christ. It's all man-made stuff. But when we hear it, we think, yeah, they, they're really committed. There. Oh, they love themselves from Jesus. Well, they don't do that. But the thing they don't do is the thing God said, yeah, do that. He gave us food to eat. Now, I know people run to the Old Testament law. They run to the law, and, and the ancient practice was to eat no pork and other types of, of things. 
But Jesus is giving, God is giving us a, a great illustration about putting some barriers in your life, and that's just an illustration of, of the practice. Peter is, is asleep, and, and this, this angel speaks to him, and there's this sheet that drops from heaven, and it's filled with all kinds of pork. And the angel says, Peter, why don't you eat this? And Peter says, I can't eat that. I'm a follower of Jehovah. My translation, God says, shut up and eat. Shut up and eat. And Paul is saying the same thing to his son here. Verse 4, everything created by God is good. Nothing's to be rejected by Jesus of Thanksgiving. In fact, it's made holy. It's not just good to eat. It's made holy. Because the scripture says this is good and prayer. I, I love trained pastors around the globe. It's just been a delight. Uh, just talked to an old friend. He said, Dave, we're cranking back up. I said, no, okay. No, I'll see if I can pull myself together. The challenge is always the food. And and uh, my my big rule is because words got out, you know, Pastor Dave, he kind of squirmed as you it ain't peanut butter and, and, and Burger King. He probably. <laughs> my big rule is okay, just don't tell me. Don't tell me. I don't, just don't tell me. And I'll hold my nose and I'll swallow big chunks. It's made it whole because God said, take it, eat it. And through prayer. So you can believe when I'm traveling in foreign countries with pastors, training pastors, well, I'm praying a lot. <laughs> God help me keep this food down. Help me to get this down. Well, you said it's holy. Here we go. <laughs> the problem with verse 4 and 5 is we impose these man-made rules that have nothing to do with God's will. Right. Right. They have nothing to do with God's will. Oh, you can't do that. And we speak about some cultural or denominational position not rooted in Scripture. So there's that. That whole big word there, that paragraph, I would call apostasy. Falling away from biblical truth. You may be compliant with cultural, traditional, denominational positions, but you're not rooted in Scripture anymore. And when we find ourselves doing that, the word would fit here. That's apostasy. You're falling away from Scripture. Number two, the second paragraph starts with verse six. If you put this kind of thinking, these things, if you put these things before the brethren, you'll be a good servant of Jesus Christ, trained in the words of the faith and, and of good doctrine that you have followed. You've been living it, and now you're passing it on to others, verse six. Here's our key verse for the sermon, and by the way, I'm introducing for you a uh, a new little practice I want you to do with me. I, I can't force you, but I'm appealing to you and might lovingly, lovingly, lovingly give you a little jab if you don't. <laughs> I want you to memorize some scripture with me this year. Pastor Jose, and I will give you a, a verse at maybe one, maybe two, three at the most. We're not going to give you chapters and chapters. Verse two, maybe three, each Sunday, and just work on it with us throughout the week. This week, it's worth something have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. Whatever translation you're reading, stick with it and memorize with you with me this week, verse 7. In fact, I'll give you a little, I'll give you a little pass on you rookies. <laughs> At least get the second place. At least. If you think one whole verse, oh, I had one whole verse. But you probably still remember your wife if she was your girlfriend a hundred years ago. You probably still remember the phone number you used to call when you were in college or high school. You know why you remember that phone number so much? Because you used it all the time. And she was sort of kind of important to you back then. And it's stuck. Things that are important to us that we're familiar with, that we look at frequently, they stick. People don't remember scripture because they don't read it that often. At least get the second place. 
rather than irreverent, silly stuff, rather than the first phrase of verse 7, let's exercise ourselves, let's train ourselves for godliness. Let's train ourselves this year to be godly. Your translation might use the word holy, holiness, godliness. That I'm acting and looking, sounding, behaving more like God. That's what holiness is. And it's something I can train myself to do. It's something I can train myself for. Do you think I got this massive muscular body just because of that? Sometimes <laughs> <laughs> you gotta work at it, huh? <laughs> So obviously, I, I'm not been working that hard on on, on uh, biceps and triceps and then all the other steps. <laughs> but here's my humble confession: in my twenties, I would find myself in a circumstance, and people are just crying, or they're angry, or or they're confused, and they're looking for a word. They're looking for a passage. They're looking for some biblical, scriptural help. And I didn't know what to say. And I said, okay, God, I'm going to fix that. I'm going to fix that. I don't want to ever be caught with my spiritual pants there. People have got some need. There's some confusion. God, give me wisdom. Remind me of what I've learned. And help me give a word. Help, help me to be able to give a word to my kids, to my wife, to my brothers and sisters that I worship with, to people I, I bump into. Train yourself. Train yourself. And that's what we're about to do. January, February. We're going to get in spiritual shape. We're going to do some spiritual push-ups and sit-ups. And you're going to get sore. And you're going to say, this is too hard. And we're going to say to one another, like we do at the gym, come on, come on, don't be a baby. Keep moving. Keep going. Let's go. Let's go. We're going to talk like that to one another. We're going to become... First Timothy chapter four verse seven people. We're gonna get some spiritual biceps and pectoral muscle. People say that brother knows the word of God. <laughs> Have nothing to do verse seven. Quit fooling around with irreverent silly myths. Do you have people in your life that they always give you a joke? They always have a joke. And look, no one likes to laugh more than me. But how come they can't give a verse? Right. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. I don't think he's saying it's wrong to laugh. He's saying, would you stop with that verse 4 and 5 jump? Well, we don't eat that food. We don't do that. We, don't, we define our Christianity but what we don't do. We don't dance and we don't chew. And we don't go with girls who do. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now there's a Christian here. No, stop with that silly stuff. Verse 7. Have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. And that's what we're doing. This is all introduction today. That's what we're doing starting next week. First three months of the year. Train yourself for godliness. Now, why would you say that, Jose? Well, bodily training has some value. It does have some value. I'm at the stage of my life, I don't care about that value anymore. <laughs> bodily exercise has some value. Godliness has value in every way. In every There's no dimension of your life. There's no facet. There's no, there's no area of your existence that godliness doesn't it has no purpose here. It has value in every dimension, in every application. There's never a context where 
Who needs to be godly here? Godliness of value in every way. Here's one. It holds promise for this world and the world to come. Promise. Do this, and this will happen. There's benefit. I promise. The Bible says. You need peace. You need direction. You need clarification. You need courage. You need humility. The list just keeps going. You need insight. You need to know how to quit fighting with your spouse. How to restart talking to your spouse. <coughs> how do I not provoke my kids to wrath? Which is the New Testament commandment. How, 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 how can I do all that? How can I live the Christian life? It's godliness. It's holiness. And exercising yourself in that direction. It gives promise. Hope and guarantee this will work. This will work. Husbands love your wife. How do I love my wife when Christ of the church? Well, if you would exercise yourself with godliness, get some scripture, think biblically, not culturally. Well, the guys in the barbershop, they got their advice. But half of them will divorce the others and think about it now, anyhow. I don't care what the guys in barbershop say. Well, I don't go to barbershop much anymore. <laughs> but if I would exercise myself to godliness, oh, there's promise here. There's promise. There's some guarantees. There's some divine certainties. And we can, foundationally, we can, we can stand on that. It has promise for this world and the world to come. He finishes up 9 and 10. This saying is trustworthy, deserving of full acceptance. Full acceptance. For to this end we toil, we strive, because we have our hope set on God. My hope is not, I'm eating right, I'm exercising, I will be healthy forever and live to be 150. Not if you get hit by a truck. But the promise of godliness draw near to me. You know the rest of that verse? And I'll draw near to you. Now, when he's near to me, I'm I'm not alone. I'm not afraid. I'm not arrogant, but I have a, a humble sense of confidence. Not arrogant, but Christ is in me. I can do this. Christ is led me to this. I can do this. And because I'm amazing, because He's amazing. Amen. Amen. I can turn the other cheek. I can go the second mile. I can forgive back. In fact, in theory, you know what? There's nothing I can't forgive. Right. I don't have to get even for that. In fact, I never have to get even for anything. Because the scripture says, vengeance of mine, he will repay. Let him repay. And on and on and on. These verses just come to mind. And, 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 and they keep you from getting stupid. They keep you from acting fleshly. Because you've exercised yourself. You've built up some muscles. Spiritually. That's being godly. It's being holy. It's not buying a robe and, and, and floating around and holding your hands and quoting things in, in Greek and Hebrew. That's being weird. <laughs> it's it's cutting the grass and loving your neighbor and picking up his trash from the corner of your yard and, and, and stop yelling at him about it. It's it's returning blessing for cursing. Yeah. And people see the love of Christ and the gentleness of Christ and, and the, just that sense of, I'm not worried about life. I don't have to fight with everybody to get my way. People say, he might be a real Christian. 
exercise yourself in this direction for these qualities. To this end, verse 10, we toil, we strive. What happens when you go to the gym? You sweat. Your heart rate goes up. You get tired. You get sore. But then it begins to heal. And you think, hey, it was kind of painful in the beginning, but I'm kind of like it. <laughs> Posture's better, shoulders and back. I don't hurt as much. I, I can actually do more. Physical fitness, okay. I'm kind of feeling it. I'm kind of liking this. You don't think the same thing's going to happen to you even greater so in the spiritual realm? Yeah, there's toiling, there's striving. Got to memorize that verse. Exercise myself to godliness. Train yourself to godliness. There's toil, there's striving. But it's not futile. It's not wasted. It's going to produce intimacy with Christ. We, why do we do this? Because we have our hope set on the living God. Because our hope is set on God. So I've really been neglecting physical stuff. And I've made some personal decisions to, okay, I, I, I got it. I expect to not be all crippled up by next week. <laughs> I, I gotta get back to some stuff. And I'm going to. Here, I'll say that out to you. Uh, in May, I'll be 70. So at some point, by my birthday in May, I'm, I'm, I'm just, just my little personal goal. I'm gonna crank out 70 push ups in one set. I'll do that. I mean, that's really achievable. That's, that's really no big deal. I, I don't. I don't be all crippled up and and as a day, you know, he arms got to feed him with a spoon now. <laughs> I do anyway. <laughs> don't be lying in church. <laughs> you you want to be able to to function, so you, you got to do stuff so you're able to function. But how much do you think about that spiritually? So there's the key verse, verse 7, in that paragraph, the little paragraph. Let's finish up, starting verse 11, the last paragraph. Look what happens. Timothy, if, if you and your disciples, so, so the Apostle Paul is discipling Timothy. And Timothy is now a pastor of this little congregation. He's, he's discipling his people. And he says to his son, emotional son, Son, if you'll command and teach the things I'm telling you, verses 1 through 10, if you'll command and teach these things, you, we're making progress, don't let anyone despise you because you're young. Right. Right. I have to know a little bit about this. Yeah. I was not your first pastor who was my father. I was not his first choice at his replacement. And honestly, I agree. I, I was not upset by that. Number one, I'm still trying to get out of the ministry. I'm trying to do something else and make some real money. <laughs> and even the spiritual part of me was saying, yeah, I, I'm not qualified for that right now. I'm not, I'm not qualified for that right now. And I'm certainly not in other dimensions of, 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 of life. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I don't, it wouldn't be wise for me to have that job right now. And a year later, here I am. How was I became the pastor? 21. Five? Before 25? Let no one despise you because of your youth, son. 
but be an example to the believers. Be an example. Be an example to the believers. And Paul is acknowledging the uniqueness of Timothy's youth. I know you're young. And I know that's, that's an instinctive, uh, he's a kid, he knows what he's talking about. Don't try to convince people academically or emotionally, that's not true, that's not true. Watch me quote the first five books of the Old Testament. <laughs> he said, let your Christian character bring people around. Yeah. <clears throat> let no one despise you for youth, but rather, rather, be an example to the believers. And look at these dimensions, characteristics, these, these, these realms, speech, conduct, love, faith, purity. Be an example. Set the standard. Be the biblical visual illustration of these biblical principles of turning the other cheek, going the second mile. Not returning cursing for blessing or blessing for be the godly man. Let your light so shine. It's not because you you oh, I can I can uh, I, I I know the biblical languages. I can quote Greek Greek and Hebrew and I can I can tell you what. People don't care how much you know. They want to see does he have Jesus? Right, right. You think it's any different for all of us? Do you think your neighbors are impressed because you get up to go to church and sit past the day for an hour? <laughs> they don't think that's impressive. They think you're crazy for doing that. Right, right. What would impress people is the compassion of Christ, the kindness of Christ. And that's only going to happen when we put ourselves together in a spiritual gym that let's 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 break a sweat spiritually. Yeah. Let's labor and toil. Yeah. Don't skip those words. Let's work at becoming more like Christ. Right. Yeah. Be an example, verse 12. Speech. Conduct. Yeah, I know. I know. He, he's in church every Sunday. And he tells some off-color jokes. <coughs> he just ruined the whole thing. You just shot it all. Because the world is filled with people who go to church, but they don't act Christian. we got to work on that. Hear the list again. Speech, conduct, love, faith, purity. Well, how long have I got to stay in the gym? Verse 13. Until Jesus comes. Right. Great. Well, I wish I could drink some powdered shake and take a pill and do, uh, you know, a bunch of push-ups and stuff, so I'm good for life. Until I come, devote yourself to the reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. We never stop. And you can't keep giving unless you're constantly replenishing. Right. You can't give what you ain't got. Right. And if you're not getting some fitness, you got nothing to give. And in my 20s, just getting started, people would have some moment and I'd go, oh, I'll pray for you. I, I said, God, never again. I, I will not be caught with my pants down like that. That's horrible. That's terrible. That, that ain't right. And there's all kind of people around us. They don't know how to live. They don't know what to do. Their marriage is restrained. Their kids are rebellious. What are you going to say to them? Right. Right. That's not condemning and makes them feel worse, but it's encouraging and hopeful. Something about that word promise. Right. That word promise back in verse 8. Right. This stuff works. Devote yourself to public. Drop a verse here. Drop a verse there. Oh, I know where you are. Been there, felt that, and this verse delivered me. What do you do when you're at the gym? Someone comes up to you. This has never happened to me. 
<laughs> Someone comes up to you and says, Man, how, how did you get that? And they explain. I did this, I did this. Well, I, don't you want people, how do, how, do you, how do you keep putting up with your crazy husband the way you do? Arm gets that question all the time. <laughs> he says in verse 14, careful with this, we get so humble that well let me say how Jesus said it. Jesus said, let your light shine. Yeah. Let it shine. Don't be arrogant about it. Don't take credit for it, but don't cover it up. <clears throat> let, let your light shine. He says in verse um, 14, do not neglect the gift. The gift that's in you, the gift that you have. It was given to you by prophecy when the elders laid their hands on you. Talk about the ordination service when Timothy was ordained. But you don't have to be passionate to live this life. Every Christian should be living this life. And your ordination was your salvation then declared publicly in your baptism. You're coming to faith in Christ in a very private and, and sort of kind of invisible. No one... I put my faith in Christ. I repent of my sins. I throw myself on the mercy of Jesus and cry out for forgiveness. My hair color doesn't change. Nothing about me visibly physically changes. And for the first few weeks, months, some of you think it's decades. It's not. It's that long. Initially, you you, you can't see any difference. Ah, the, the cursing and the, the, the filth should be stopping, but that's all private stuff. Anyhow, in the public setting, you're smiling more, but maybe they just think, Okay, you must be better at home now. Baptism is the... No, I'm, I'm, I, I didn't just have a private, personal encounter with Christ. I want the world to know! I thought I was showing off, but... Yeah, I'm, I'm married to Christ. I've given my life to Christ. I'm, I'm, I'm following Christ. That's baptism. And that's the concept in verse 14. Don't neglect the gift, which was given by prophecy, by ordination. Practice these things, 15. Immerse yourself in these spiritual disciplines that we're going to cover in the next few months. You ever have a friend that, that uh, they were fighting weight is up, weight is down, eating habits all over the place, and they would try this and they would quit. They would try that and they would quit. This diet and they would quit. They would, really went to this group and they did this and you get them scared every time you go and they would And then finally said, I'm sick of all this craziness. I'm just going to get serious and committed to doing some work. They found a plan that worked for them. You adjust your eating a little bit. You adjust your exercise a lot. Practice these things. Immerse yourself yeah. in them. Yeah. Here comes last line of verse 15. Might be my second memory verse in the passage. So that people may see your... My translation uses the word progress. Someone yeah. just shout out to me. What other word do you have in whatever translation you're reading? The last part of verse 16. That others may see... What? What does it say? Prophet. Is this working for you? Is there any evidence? I love that the word progress is used here as opposed to the word arrival. Because we want to, I go to the gym for six weeks, I cut out sugar after the holidays, and I dropped two inches off my waistline, and I picked up a half inch somewhere else, and I feel good about myself. Here I am, new man. No, Paul seemed to be saying, Timothy, son, we're going to be working out like this spiritually for the rest of our lives. We ain't never going to stop. We ain't never going to stop. 
so that other people could see nothing was showing off. You know, and I always tell a guy who, who this is his first serious interaction with gym life. Because all of his shirts, he buys them too small. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's a rookie. He's, he's making sure that we can see something. Yeah. The committed guys, they buy clothes too big because their intent is not to show you how big and, 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 and muscular and rounded and defined their muscles are. That's not their intent. They're committed to health and being able to walk straight up and not bent over when they're 70 years old. <laughs> we got to practice, verse 15. Practice, right. practice. Immerse yourself right. so that people can see. God is changing them. Yeah. That spiritual exercise is paying off. Their marriage is stronger. Their kids aren't as rebellious. They're, they, things are changing in that house. People should see your profit. The progress. They're doing better over there. Maybe we should ask why. Oh, hopefully I'm telling you you got to go to church. <laughs> And I wouldn't say that's not my first answer. Oh, you did church! Because America's filled with people who sit in a pew and their lives have never changed. Yeah. Keep a close watch of yourself, verse 16. Keep a close watch. Are you cheating? I cheat like crazy. I can go to the gym and you run straight to Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> Pray for your pastor because he is addicted to sugar. I live for the holidays. Doctor keeps saying you're pre-diabetic. I said, how big is that pre part? What can I get away with before this gets serious? Don, he he's just chewing on cardboard. I had no idea what he eats or don't eat. I, I mean, I'm, I I admire his physique, but shit, I'm eating a donut. <laughs> That's sort of kind of funny until I get seriously sick. That's sort of kind of funny. It ain't ever funny. In the spiritual application. Yeah. I just a little bit of sin. No. Come on, Pastor Dave. Come on, Pastor Dave. I mean, you can't go cold turkey. You know what a little bit of sin does? Leads to more. Just like sugar. Keep a close watch on yourself. Persist in this. This is a lifelong commitment. I will get back in the physical routine. I'll get back in the gym. I'll do it. I'm not sure I'm going to do it for the rest of my life. But the spiritual exercise has been settled with me a long time ago. And all I'm doing this year is, is up again a bit and saying, come join me. Come join me and let's do this together. Let's get fit together. Yeah. Let's build some spiritual muscles yeah. together. Let's stretch ourselves. We're going to get sore a little bit, but you'll discover you know what? This feels good. Yeah. I'm yeah. actually glad we're doing this. Yeah. Persist in this. You know why? Because you save yourself and other people who hear you. Mm. He's not talking about salvation. He is talking about you save yourself from drifting away from Christ and your intimacy is intact. You save yourself from drifting away. And then you am I am I saved or not? I know I prayed that prayer thirty seven times. I'm falling right back into the old life. Now spiritual fitness will keep you from that. Spiritual exercise will keep you from that. I'm close, I'm not close, I think I'm a Christian, I don't think I'm a Christian. 
following this last paragraph, 11, down to what we just finished in verse 16, leadership, because this is the kind of people that others want to follow. I'm not talking about leadership because, hey, I got a title now, and I'm a leader, so shut up and listen to me. I wish we could do it with all kinds of titles, including the title pastor. It's a biblical phrase. We're going to stick with it. But we don't need a title. People follow other people who have character. Right. We're trying to develop some spiritual fitness, some spiritual character, some spiritual strength that every wind doesn't just knock us down and we collapse and cry. Right. Now, I can stay in that storm. I'll weather that. It, 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 it's a little unsettling, but I'll get in my prayer closet and I'll do some spiritual exercises and I'll get myself straight and I'll stand up. And people will see, oh, that doesn't collapse them. Less than that collapses me. How do they do that? Well, they just have, you know, strong character. <laughs> no, they know Jesus. They know Jesus. That's got to be our answer. We save ourselves. And not the sense that I can pronounce someone forgiven, but we, we help rescue others. Jesus has made the difference. Yeah. This peace, this serenity, this, this persistence, this keep getting back up that you see, it, it's Jesus. Yeah. That's all we have to offer the world. We cry as much as they cry. We give up as soon as they give up. We roll over and, and feel sorry for ourselves. Only difference is we go to church, but it hasn't changed our life. You can't fake this stuff. No, that's right. That's right. When Joseph says, look, brothers, I know you meant this for evil. God meant this for good. Yeah. They must have been thinking, what happened to our little brother? Talking like that. Because yeah. he was strong in the understanding of God's ways. When you get strong in the understanding of God's ways and, and you live them out and people say, why would they do that? Because this is God's way. And God's ways work. People are going to want to follow that. You have hope. You have stability. There's love in your house. So this is what we're going to do. This is just one big introduction. This is what we're going to do. We're going to spend two weeks on just how do I how do I take in the scriptures? How, how do I how do I get the scriptures in me? We'll do it in two parts. I'll take next I'll take the first part next week. Pastor Jose will take the second of those two parts two weeks from now, and we're on our way, working through a number of disciplines. I wanted you to hear a little funny but insightful testimony that I know about because I kind of know these two. It's kind of funny, but it's it's revealing. So I've asked Donna Carm to come. When they're finished, we're going to sing. I want Donna Carm to come. And I just just last night, just, just last night, said, look, tomorrow we want to ask you if these couple